You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. NISAC recently provided testimony to state lawmakers during the joint legislative hearing on local government. The local government hearing is one in a series of joint Senate and Assembly legislative hearings to gather feedback on the governor's proposed state budget and offers elected officials and representatives of local governments an opportunity to brief lawmakers on the challenges they face and their priorities in the budget. In this episode, we'll be hearing the testimony delivered by the three municipal associations representing local governments in New York State, NISAC, NICOM, and AOT. Up first, you'll hear from Stephen Aquario, Executive Director of NISAC, for a highlight of the county priorities presented in the testimony. The Association of Counties has been around for 97 years, initially founded in 1925, charged with protecting local taxpayers, preserving local services, and safeguarding the quality of life for New Yorkers. Past two pandemic years have been extraordinary. And on behalf of the 62 counties, I want to thank you, the members of the state legislature, for helping our collective governments run. With the budget that's before you, the counties of New York are encouraged by the following. The renewal of local sales tax locally, ending the intercept of local sales tax to pay for the state's AIM program, making sound investments in public health, and supporting veterans and infrastructure. There are, however, areas of concern. The continued intercept of local sales taxes to support state distressed health facilities, forcing counties to shoulder private rate increases in preschool special education. These may be needed, but should not be funded by local taxpayers. At the end of the day, our top priority is keeping local taxes local. Tonight, I'd like to draw your attention to our number one priority, the distressed health facilities fund, specifically we ask that you eliminate the county sales tax diversion, part ZZ of chapter 56 of the laws of 2020. I'd like to remind you that you directed the state controller to divert 50 million in sales tax from the counties and 200 million from the city to create a temporary fund to help with health facilities to weather this pandemic if they needed additional assistance. It was never meant to be a permanent program. Why are we making it permanent? Nobody has asked for this to become permanent. And everyone has said this is an awful idea, including the mayor of the city of New York earlier today. So, so far, the state has taken $500 million in local sales taxes and provided nothing to healthcare facilities. In fact, the state transferred $250 million to the general on the last day of the 21 state fiscal year. Again, this program is totally unnecessary. The state and the federal government have several distressed hospital pools to address this very issue. Supporting distressed health facilities has always been properly a federal and state responsibility. Tonight, I hereby call on you as a check-in balance to end this practice immediately. The law should sunset as originally enacted. At the very least, it should end when the federal COVID-19 public health emergency ends. Turning to some other important priorities in the executive budget for counties, let me first start by discussing local sales tax issues. We support uh, the proposal to end the practice of diverting county sales taxes to pay for town and village AIM funding. 
while we're on the subject, cities, towns, and villages, as you heard from my peer, Peter Baines, towns, cities, and villages haven't seen an increase in the state support for over a decade, and we support that initiative. Finally, we respectfully ask the legislature to support the proposal to grant permanent local sales tax authority for all counties and cities consistent with the city of New York at their existing sales tax rates up to 4%. Now, we're getting into some program and policy implementation now in the few remaining minutes that I have. I'd like to talk about children and family services. Something that's not in the governor's budget, a child care two-county pilot project that we would like to ask for your consideration. Similar to what Mayor Adams asked for this morning in regards to childcare, we support a two-county pilot project for Tompkins County and Erie County to address a childcare crisis in Erie County and a childcare desert in Tompkins County. Specifically, we request $20 million to supplement Erie County's childcare block grant allocation and raise market rates. This will allow Erie to better align the actual cost of childcare with the OCFS market rate, increase wages for childcare workers, and get parents back to work without decreasing the number of children served. We also request $20 million for projects in the pipeline to support in-home care, create new childcare opportunities for families in Tompkins County. In prior years, the state budget cut state financial support for child welfare services and safety net programs. Senator Savino was just talking about this. We strongly encourage the legislature to restore these funding cuts to 65% open-ended state match for child welfare services, up from 62%, and 50% for safety net programs, up from 29%. The budget also includes the resolution of a long simmering state legal battle related to foster care rates settled by the state in December of 2021. The settlement terms require an immediate increase in foster care rates of 20% to 40% upstate and 45% for the city of New York area. We have concerns about how this is being funded as the budget includes no additional state resources to support the settlement over what has been provided in prior years. The counties are grateful to Governor Hochul for additional community college-based funding. We support the proposal in the governor's budget. The budget includes a provider rate increase while necessary, but will cost county taxpayers an extra $50 million a year for costs for preschool special education providers. The counties are asking the state to cap preschool costs at the average cost per county over the last three years and put that in statute this year. With respect to economic development, the counties support the Connect All initiative by Governor Hochul and also the proposal to waive the Department of Transportation's right-of-way fees for future Connect All broadband construction projects. We believe these fees should be waived for all publicly funded broadband projects as well. With respect to gaming, Last year, the state changed the state tax rate on slot machines to help commercial casinos stay in business. However, this had a negative impact to revenue sharing with local governments. The counties support the governor's proposal to offset gaming payment reductions by increasing this funding from $7 million to $10 million. The counties also appreciate Governor Hochul's leadership and efforts to reach an agreement with the Seneca Indian Nation. We appreciate the appropriation and the budget that's before you to ensure proper payment is distributed. 
with respect to cybersecurity, a number of issues talked about by Senator Savino, other members of the legislature, the budget includes an additional 44 million for state and local cyber defense and response efforts. The counties appreciate the state's recognition that this problem requires an immediate all hands on deck approach. All local governments have various needs and we shouldn't just throw money at the problem. We need a well-coordinated program that raises the baseline level of awareness and more importantly, preparedness at all levels of local governments across the state. The three associations, municipal associations, the towns, the mayors, and the counties have been discussing this funding stream. We believe we're in the best position to provide the greatest number of local governments effectively to respond to this. I wanna add and thank Governor Hochul, the DISHES, the State Board of Elections, the ITS, the Office of Information Technology Services, they've been tremendous allies in providing critical reinforcements as Mayor Sheehan and Albany talked about in this fight against cyber hackers. With respect to public health, the counties applaud the governor's commitment uh, in public health, raising the funding for public health. We request that the state budget restore New York City to 36% reimbursement beyond the base grant in Article 6 state aid, consistent with the rest of the state. With respect to lead poisoning prevention, the state lowered the allowable blood levels in children last year. That is a good policy. However, to properly achieve this, to properly screen these children, we need an additional 46 million over the 9.7 that's currently appropriate. We support the 35 million in a 988 crisis hotline in the state of New York, and we ask you to enact that policy. I wanna to call to your attention that we support uh, some additional legislation on ensuring that 911 emergency grants for 911 systems are appropriated and released to counties in the year that they are authorized uh, and appropriated and not three or four or five years afterwards. With respect to one final issue I want to make with respect to veterans, I want to just thank the governor and thank you for your consideration to talk about uh, and additional appropriations for veteran services. Hopefully the legislature will look at this policy very seriously. We work with Governor Hochul about building out additional veteran service funding. We haven't had additional veteran services funding increases in decades in the state of New York for our county-based veteran services organizations. We support the $7.7 .7 million statewide expansion to the Joseph P. Dwyer peer-to-peer -peer veteran services program and very much support the transportation and infrastructure appropriations such as the CHIPS funding, uh, Pave New York, Bridge New York, and the new pothole program, and the CHIPS bidding threshold that the governor so smartly included in her budget, raising that from the present $350,000 to $750,000, which would allow local governments to use local government employees to do road and bridge projects without going out to bid, which could cost the taxpayers more money. Next, we'll hear from Peter Baines, Executive Director of the New York Conference of Mayors, for another local government perspective on the governor's budget proposal. The Conference of Mayors, we, since 1910, have represented the cities and villages, the nearly 600 cities and villages across the state of New York. Um, and I appreciate the ability today to talk about our reaction to the executive budget proposal. 
uh, when it was first released uh, by Governor Hochul, our, our response was that it was a near seismic change in the state's approach to local government. And we meant that in a positive way. Uh, there are things in there that, that, that signal that change in the state's approach to local governments. Uh, the governor funded the transportation aid ads that, that you and the legislature so generously provided and pushed for last year. So you don't have to go back to the well to get those ads put back in. Uh, the governor has ended the sales tax intercept uh, for the state payment of AIM funding to towns and villages, which is something we asked to be done. Um, and, and her budget proposal also expands programs for the support of local economic development. And I'll talk about all those things a little bit more, but I will also note that we said it was a near seismic change in the state's approach because there are two things in the executive budget that we are very concerned about. Uh, one being that there was a failure to increase AIM funding, which each of the mayors has talked about today. And we'll talk a little bit about our proposal in that regard. And also there's a, there's a new uh, state preemption of local zoning proposal that, that is unprecedented in New York that, that we're strongly concerned about. But let me focus first on AIM. Uh, you know, I think it's been made clear today that AIM is essential to local governments. It's operational aid. It's not capital aid. It, it's the money they need to do the things that are so important. All the things that have actually been talked about today, all, all the issues of the day. If you think about it, public safety, public health, the well-being of our children, affordable housing, economic opportunity, safe drinking water, those things all intersect with what a mayor does in a city or village. And their ability to address those issues is really tied to their fiscal capacity. Unfortunately, in New York, we have a 13-year track record now of the state not providing an increase in operational aid uh, to cities, villages, and towns. Um, to try to address that, we've initiate, uh, advanced a proposal uh, to the governor and, and to the legislature uh, seeking a, a cost of living increase in AIM funding based on the 13-year period in which it has not gone up. And that would be a $210 million cost of living increase for, for local governments for their AIM funding. We have nearly five, uh, 400 mayors who've signed on to our letter calling for that, that increase. We also support any of the new aid that's distributed that it be done according to a new formula. Since AIM really doesn't have a formula, it's just a, it's just a combination of various formulas that don't actually run each year anymore. But any new money we think should be allocated fairly based on uh, the population of a municipality, the poverty, the tax-exempt property, and, and other factors that will address the need of a, of a municipality. We also believe that, that municipalities should be able to count on some level of increase from year to year. We're suggesting to the legislature that they establish some fixed percent of the school aid increase every year as a benchmark for the amount of municipal aid that should go up. For example, school aid in the last 13 years gone up $6 billion. If there was a 5% benchmark of school aid going uh, an equal amount equal to 5% of school aid increase going to municipalities, that would have been 300, a $300 million increase in AIM funding over the last 13 years, which would have addressed the whole cost of living issue that we've raised. So we really feel this is the year 
that the resources are there for the state that that aim funding needs to be addressed and additional operational aid needs to go to local governments as i alluded to at the beginning uh transportation funding in the governor's budget continues the good work you did last year as it relates to chips extreme winter recovery uh pave new york the new touring routes program it also doubles the bridge new york uh, funding from 100 to 200 million dollars and actually creates a new program of 100 million dollars called pave our potholes we we support all of that uh, we think it's great news and we also think it, it frees up the legislature this year to focus your efforts on getting that aim funding uh increase that 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 be your priority this year uh in the water sewer infrastructure realm uh, more good news there, an additional 500 million for the Clean Water Infrastructure Act. But but remember, not all that money goes to local governments and what does go to local governments, there are many local governments that don't receive it from year to year. So there still remains a need for a, a program of state funding to municipalities for their water and sewer needs that where every municipality would get a piece of such funding every year. Now to the, the thing we're most concerned about from a non-monetary point of view, and that's the governor's proposed mandate to preempt local land use decision-making uh, pertaining to accessory dwelling units and transit-oriented development. Um, those proposals, proposals which have been talked about today uh, are really unprecedented mandates into local land use decision-making. Many of our mayors believe in accessory dwelling units, transit-oriented development. Many of them have implemented those within their communities, but it has to be done uh, from the community up, not from the state down. So we really feel that we've made this clear to the governor's office, and I know many legislators support our contention that it, it can't be, when it comes to the local zoning, it can't be a mandate from the state. What we're asking the state to do instead is to provide support for local governments that want to uh, consider doing accessory dwelling unit or, or transit-oriented development. Um, the state should study the impact of, of adopting those policies, provide model local laws and regulations, and provide aid incentives. That, that will be a more effective way of, of implementing that kind of zoning in a way that's embraced by a community rather than creating a controversy. Um, other things in the budget that we that we want to talk about briefly, local economic development, we feel is equal to state economic development. And the governor recognizes that in her executive budget. Um, she's brought back to life the Restore New York program, which many of you will remember, which is one of the most popular programs our members ever had the opportunity to uh, interact with at the state level. It provides uh, funding for abandoned property demolition in municipalities, which is a chronic problem around the state. Uh, and the governor is committed to $250 million uh, over three years and, uh, and 100 million in the, in the current year. Also, the, uh, the governor's proposed a, a new program called New York Forward, which is sort of like the downtown revitalization initiative, but it's geared towards smaller downtowns, which we think is, is really important. Um, NICOM as an organization, uh, we, we support basically everything each of the mayors said today about bail reform, um, that, you know, public safety is the number one job of, of governments, state and local governments. Clearly violent crime is, is on the rise and is at a crisis level in some communities. We think that that necessitates and it's, it's logical for a government to review policies it's put into place to see if it's having an impact uh, 
on crime. So whether it has to do with uh, guns coming into the into the state and finding ways to stop that or reviewing the bail reform laws to see if there are ways on the public safety side of things, not on the equity side of things to, to address uh, the crime issue that we have uh, in this state right now. So we think it can be done intelligently. We're not saying to, to, to reverse bail reform at all, but we think it should be given a good hard look to see if there are ways to uh, ensure that our communities are as, as safe as possible. Um, and lastly, I'll just mention um, in the local ethics realm, the governor's proposed um, changing the current $75 gift limit for local government officials to a nominal value limit. Uh, we think a better approach would be to do a comprehensive reform of, of the general municipal law, Article 18 uh, ethics provisions. We think you can't just change that limit without having some structure uh, of enforcement at the local level to determine what nominal value means, what exceptions should be uh, created for that, for that gift limit. And for our final excerpt on the local government perspective on the executive budget proposal, we'll hear from Jerry Geist, executive director of the Association of Towns. I'm a former town board member of the town of North Castle from County of Westchester, and I know town issues firsthand. I served as a town board member for 24 years. The Association of Towns represents 933 towns across the state where 9 million of our residents live. We're extremely diverse and we play important roles in providing services to our residents each and every day. This is the best budget we've seen in years from the executive office. The Governor Hochul's delivery of our commitment to local government is a refreshing change from the past administrations. Her appreciation of the importance of local government is clear throughout this budget and her ability to work with us since she's assumed office. We wanna focus on three issues today, AIM, CHIPS, and the ADU and transit-oriented development proposals. On AIM, we're thrilled to see that the program under the budget proposal by the Governor Hochul has now been restored to state funding. We've been asking for that, and I know you and the legislature have heard our cry over the last couple of years and have been outstanding in our support of trying to restore it, and we thank you for all your hard work for towns over the last couple of years. We know you hear us, you support us, and it's very important that the legislature has been a great partner with us on, on that very important issue. The thing about AIM though, it hasn't been increased since 2009. It's really time to address the fact, not only is it gonna be restored to the state funding budget, but we need to really increase the funds. Why do we need more funds? Well, everybody knows services cost more, supplies cost more, making sure the commitments to our citizens all cost more money, and we can't do it at the levels of $2,009. So we're asking the legislature to consider an increase. I think the Conference of Mayors and Peter Baines outlined a very interesting proposal for how to do it and the rationale behind it, and we would be supportive of that direction as well. 
highway funding. We're very excited that the governor has restored um, extreme winter recovery uh, funding, paved New York in the new pothole program. But we feel that once again, we need to increase the base. We need to increase the base for chips. So, because these other programs don't increase the base, we need to show that dollar commitment to the roads. Very critical to the, uh, how people get to work, how kids get to school, we need to make that commitment going forward. Now, the one thing we do disagree with the governor is this accessory dwelling unit and transit-oriented development. You know, coming from Westchester, we had to deal with this issue decades ago. And many of the communities, including mine, drafted ordinances and acted and created units all over our town. And it happened all over Westchester. This top-down legislation does not take into consideration all the hard work that's already been done. In fact, the failure of the legislation by overriding local authority, home rule, if you will, is really an anathema to how government really works. Those of you in local government know, but we have to wrestle with the impacts on sewer and water. We have to deal with transportation issues. We need to deal with density, off-street parking. And we need to deal about, this is one of the things we had to deal with with this law in my town, is the impact of sending how many more kids would go to schools and the impact on the schools if we increased more density units. The fact that this legislation doesn't have any of this collaborative effort, doesn't call for any of this kind of discussion, leaves it, in my opinion, not worthy of consideration at this time. The fact that this is even in the budget really doesn't account to give this opportunity for people to discuss the important issues this legislation is. Overriding home rule, overruling local regulations, overruling master plans, all fell planning board, zoning boards, how these things factor into community and community input is really the wrong direction on this issue. This is a really important issue and the Association of Town applauds the discussion but we feel there's a better way to do it, which includes a collaborative effort with towns, the villages, the cities, and the state legislature working together to come up with a comprehensive, well thought out plan, which this legislation doesn't do. We believe we should incentivize ADUs. How do you incentivize? For example, you could commit dollars to sewer and water programs for each community so that they would have the ability to take in additional units. That would be one way to incentivize this. But we need to think about this from a, from a whole town, whole state perspective. Just because if you look at the transit uh, development plan, it talks about bus stations, but you really need to understand if the bus runs once a day or it runs five times a day to get people to work. Those are the kind of issues we had to wrestle with on the local level, but all this is missing from this proposed legislation. And I said this before, water and sewer is critical. The legislation talks about impacts on septic, but the community has to be able to accept the new 
uh, population coming in because our systems are crumbling and aging and we need to not only repair and keep them going, but we have to improve those systems. And this legislation doesn't account for that. As I've always said, local government is the best way to address and hear this complaints of the public and their concerns. And this legislation attempts to override that ability. So we would like to see this legislation taken out of the budget and restructured so to give everybody a better opportunity to weigh in on this very important issue, but not by over, overriding home rule. Now, the couple of other things in the state budget were very supportive of the governor's proposal on the interest rate on judgments. 9% doesn't make any sense. We need help on that front. Local ethics reform, we shouldn't do a piecemeal approach to Article 18, but rather a comprehensive review of the entire program. Code enforcement, the provisions in the state budget on code enforcement, once again, are piecemeal and don't take into account how to address the problems. We need to come up with a, a plan to strengthen code enforcement, but not to penalize or have standards that aren't able to be measured to determine whether code compliance programs are working or not. And the last thing I would like to say is we want to increase the chip threshold, very important, as I've heard that testified today. And then on the revenue from the vacation rental industry, we want to make sure that those dollars go to all levels of government, wherever those properties are situated. Our legislative team has analyzed the budget proposal's impact on counties across the state, which includes the testimony you heard earlier. In addition to a report detailing initiatives outlined in the executive state budget proposal and a two-page state budget scorecard. These resources can be found on our website at nysac.org/nysbudget. <laughs>